right. It's good to be here tonight. Now, actually, my voice got affected because I had carotid artery surgery in November. We finished a whole group of meetings in the fall. Uh, I had found out in September. I'm glad they had lit on it. I, uh, I had finished a group of meetings in September. I found out that I'd had a blockage. This side's completely open. This side was clogged. Uh, so I, in November, I had carotid artery surgery. They went in and cut it open all the way down, by, down in here, and they cleaned it out. And then when I woke up, I had no voice. Now, I didn't know that's what was going to happen. And so I told the doctor, I said, doctor, I, what I wanted to say was, do you have malpractice insurance? <laughs> but I didn't. I, uh, I, I told him, I said, you, you know, I'm going to be preaching in January when I saw him in December. And he went like this. <laughs> well, I've already preached once in Georgia. And I'm hoping that you'll be able to hear me tonight. Um, I had thought by now that I would be much further along. Otherwise, I would not have told your pastor I would preach tonight. But uh, it's not bothering me if it won't bother you. I don't have a sore throat. I'm not having problems that way. It's just the fact that the muscles are affected by the nerves being disarranged. And so... Uh, it's coming along. The first time I took, my wife keeps me on a bunch of supplements and uh, stuff like that. That's why I never had to take any, meta, uh, any prescription medicine for the most part. But um, the first time I went to take all those supplements, I'd always take them in the hand. I'd throw them in my mouth and put it water and I would swallow them. Well, this time I did it, I nearly choked myself to death because those muscles were not allowing my throat to shut down and stop the water from going into my lungs. <laughs> so uh, I had to learn to take little sips with those pills. Uh, you learn pretty quick when you find out that you've got a problem. Now, I'll tell you one thing this did for me is that it humbled me. It made me stop and think about the fact, I thought that when I first had the problem, I thought, wait a minute, this can't happen to me. I'm a preacher. That's what I do. So this is not going to work. And then after I got over the anger, I started thinking and started praying, and I started saying, you know what? I remember Paul saying something over there about a gift that was given to him, a thorn in the flesh. And I went back and read it. In fact, I have a message on that called Suffering Successfully. So I went back and went over that message. <laughs> and I realized I'd been preaching to others, but I had not been preaching to myself. Evidently, I didn't hear it. So <clears throat> I had to humble myself before the Lord and realize that... Uh, we just take what God gives us and we go on and we do what we can with what we have left. And that's what I decided to do. I would uh, like to thank Brother Rick here for that glowing 
introduction, uh, I tell you, you have to love, you have to love Rick. I mean, this guy is a, he's a jewel of, a, as an assistant pastor, he'd probably make a great pastor. But, um, and Dr. Peterson, uh, I pray, I prayed for him for the last two years and um, stayed in touch with him. And he's a great guy. <clears throat> From the time that we stepped in here and heard him preach and the passion of his heart and the church here, the school, I don't know anything about the school for the most part, other than the fact that I, I met some of the people who teach there. And I'll tell you what, it's top notch. You have a great church here. And uh, if we were living here, Full time. This is where I would belong, because it's a, it's a it is a great church, great music. Uh, I love, I love all of it. I'd like for you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Hebrews chapter twelve. The title of the message is "Looking and Living by Faith." Looking and living by faith, and. I really appreciated the preaching I've heard here this week, this past week. Uh, Wednesday, Sunday, Sunday night, uh, Brother Self just brought a great message, didn't he? Amen. And I noticed that you folks take notes. Well, you're going to get a break tonight. I don't have that much to take notes on. <laughs> but uh, you can put the scriptures down when I call, I'll call them out and and whatever you hear, but um, I want to ask you something. What's on your agenda for this year? Not just what resolutions you have made, but what's on your agenda? What are you seeking to accomplish this coming year? What are your goals? Dr. Robertson, my mentor, so always said, if you don't set a goal, you won't hit anything. You need to have a goal to shoot at so that you'll at least hit something somewhere near that. So we need to set goals. As Christians, we should be trying to be the very best that we can be for our Lord. So with this in mind, if you have your place, I'd like for you to stand if you can. We're going to read from Hebrews chapter 12. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Our Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for these people who are here tonight to hear from you. And Father, I pray that you will give me clarity of speech, that you'll give us clarity of mind, that, Lord, by your Holy Spirit, you will convey to us some truths that will help us to be better at what we are supposed to be doing. 
And Father, we pray now that you will just guide and direct in everything that is done and said here tonight. And if there are decisions to be made, Lord, that you will put it upon the hearts of those who need to make those decisions. For we ask it in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen. You may be seated. If the Apostle Paul were living today, he probably would be a sports fan. He probably would have a favorite team or some favorite athletes. You say, why do you say this? Because he continually in his letters illustrates his interest in sports over and over again. Now, both Greeks and Romans were keenly interested in athletic events, not only for their physical well-being, but also for to honor their towns and countries, something like what we do. We like to see when the, when the Star-Spangled Banner is, is sang, we like to see people stand and show respect, don't we? And um, it's a patriotic thing to be a good athlete and to bring glory to your country. <clears throat> and it was in that day. The writer of Hebrews combined those two themes of athletics and citizenship to make his point in this important 12th chapter. Now the atmosphere is that the foot races in the arena were taking place. And we can see the runners laying aside their training weights and striving to run the races successfully. Some would get weary. Some would endure all the way to the end and win the prize. Now, the writer first pictures the race in chapter 12, 1 through 13. And then from 14 to the end of the chapter, he deals with the citizenship in the heavenly city. We're not going to get into all that. But in the minds of the readers, these two themes would go together. For no one could take part in these athletic events except that they were a citizen of the nation. And so in the one theme, however, that runs through this entire chapter is endurance, endurance. Think about that. In Hebrews 12, 1, we see the word patience. The word patience here is the same Greek word as for endure in the verses following. So it's all about endurance. Now, the Jewish believers who received this letter they were getting weary, and they wanted to give up. But the writer encouraged them to keep moving forward in faith, keep their Christian lives going like runners on a track. Don't stop. I've heard situations where a runner quit, and then as he was walking to his, where he was going, and got to the place where he was going, some words of a mentor came into his mind and said, don't quit, don't quit. 
He went back to the place where he left off the race and he finished. Now, there was nobody else on the track. He came in last, but he finished the race. And you know, we need to realize, I remember Dr. Lee Robertson, don't quit, don't quit, have faith in God. And he pounded that into us. And so, uh, if we wanted to quit, we would be too ashamed to quit. And that's a good thing, because we don't need to quit. We've got a job to do, amen? As long as the Lord gives me a voice, and thank God I have a little bit of one tonight, I want to keep preaching. I've got, I've got a full schedule this fall to preach up in the Northeast for about two months. So this voice has got to get better, so you can pray for me. And uh, I'll be preaching like missions conferences where I don't just get up and preach one time and sit down and, and take it easy. I've got to be preaching night after night after night, sometimes three or four times on Sunday. So uh, I appreciate your prayers, but I don't want to quit. Somebody asked me, said, uh, when are you going to retire? You know what that, over there it says, uh, a little while ago it showed my name and said, B-I-M-I, uh, Emeritus. Now, do you know what that emeritus means? Uh, it means different things to different people. I heard that it was, it was an honorable title, and they were honoring me. But then I found out that that emeritus meant I was retired from BIMI. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so, uh, actually, I am retired from BIMI. But I still am with BIMI, and I'm still preaching, and I'm still doing some of the same things I did before. But, uh, and uh, I don't see a place of quitting. I'll quit, I guess, when the Lord says, this is it, no more. Amen. And I just, uh, I, I don't have a place. Somebody said, have you retired? I said, yes, I put brand new tires on my car last six months ago. And so, uh, I, I'm not looking for retirement. I'm not looking for quitting. I'm looking for working and going and continuing on. And I pray that, that God will just give me strength and health. And, uh, you know, I know that everybody doesn't have that at this age. People say, you look so good at your age. You don't live with me. Uh, you, you know. I have pains just like everybody else, but I'm living with them and I'm keeping, I'm trying to keep going and I want to keep going. I'm not going to try. I am going to keep going. So just pray for me. Now, the Apostle Paul uh, in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, this is a great passage for us to remember and I know most of you do remember it if you've been reading your Bibles. Philippians 3, 12 through 14. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect. For I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Jesus Christ. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. In this passage, 
that we are, have read here in chapter 12, he points out, the writer points out three divine resources that encourage a Christian to keep going when the situation is difficult. When I was in junior high and high school, I was on the football team for six years. Now, I was never a great football player, but I had a cousin that I could brag on. He played, uh, he was, played football at West Virginia University and went to the same high school I did, but I was not as good as he was. I mean, he was a great football player and is now in their Hall of Fame up there. But I tried. And I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where I failed, but I did not become a great football player. I was a plugger, and uh, so uh, to be on the football team, you had to run track, and that was our coach's uh, uh, requirement. And uh, so I was not very good at track. Now we had some guys who were slender and lean, and they, boy, they would dash out there and they would run those 100 yard dashes and 440s and all that sort of thing and man they were just good we we were constantly winning state titles but me the only race i ever won was the fat boys race and uh, i was i was not a runner i was a lineman on the football team and i was i was beefed up so um now, the coach would try to encourage us by saying things like, other guys have done it, so you can too. Just think of what he will do for you physically, was another. Now watch the other guys, see how they do it, was a third. As I reflect on this experience, I am amazed to discover that these same three approaches are used right here in this paragraph to encourage us in the Christian race. The first one is, the writer says, look around at the winners. We see this in verse 1. He says, wherefore seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Now the great cloud or assembly or mass of witnesses was introduced in Hebrews chapter 11. We call them the heroes of the faith. It is not suggested here that these men and women are now in heaven looking over the portals or in an arena looking at us perform. Uh, they were not spectators. You see, the word witnesses does not mean spectators. Our English word martyr comes directly from the Greek word translated witness. These people are witnessing what we are we are not witnessing what we are doing. Rather, they are bearing witness that to us that God can also make us a winner. And we need to realize that. Speaking of faith in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 2, the scripture says, For by it the elders obtain a good report, and by it we will gain a good report. And so God bore witness to them and they are bearing witness now to us. Notice in Romans 15.4, it says, For whatsoever things were written aforetime 
were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. So patience means endurance and comfort means encouragement. Now, as we move forward here, and sometimes these pages stick together, the reason I like to use notes is because sometimes I forget things. Now, I don't know why that is, but uh, if I don't use notes, I may get lost. I get off on a sidetrack, I may preach for an hour. I don't think Brother Rick wants that. Uh, one of the best ways to develop endurance and encouragement is to get to know the godly men and women of the Old Testament who ran the race and won. If you are having problems with your family, read about Joseph. If you think your job is too big for you, then read about the life of Moses. He had a big job. If you are tempted to retaliate, see how Paul or see how David handled his problems. If we are going to be winners in this race that we are in, we must look at some winners. Secondly, the writer says, look at yourself. Look at yourself. In Hebrews 12.1, it goes on to say, let us lay aside every weight and sin that which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Athletes sometimes will wear training weights to help them prepare for their events. No athlete would actually participate wearing those weights because it would slow them down. The modern analogy is like a baseball player. Before he gets up the bat, he cut a bat with a big metal ring around it, and he's swinging that thing, and he's letting his arms get the feel of swinging that heavy weight so that when he steps up to the plate and he swings that bat, it's so much lighter that it just swishes. And that ball coming in there, he hits that fastball and it goes right over the fence. So we prepare with doing things more strenuous than we would have to do them. I've actually heard of runners, distance runners, actually being tied by a rope to the back end of a vehicle and the vehicle traveling at a certain speed, just enough to put a little pressure on that runner to make him keep running faster. Now, folks, I want to tell you something. I don't, I don't think, that's, maybe that might be why I'm not a runner. I don't want to be tied to a vehicle, amen? Um, but um, the writer says, look at yourself. Too much weight would tax our endurance. So what are the weights that should be removed so that we might win the race? The answer is everything that hinders us. Everything that hinders our progress. They might even be good things in the eyes of some, but athletes don't choose between good and bad. Athletes, winning athletes, choose between better and best. And so we need to choose between better 
at best and get rid of the weight. We also need to get rid of the sin which doth so easily beset us. Now the writer does not name a specific sin, but was probably referring to the sin of unbelief. You say, why? Because it was sin of unbelief that kept them from going into the promised land and getting their inheritance. And that sin of unbelief is the same sin that will keep us from getting our spiritual inheritance. Because the Lord wants to bless us every day. But we need to be in the way for him to bless us. Amen? We need to be in the place of blessing. Someone said, we need to be under the spout where the blessings come out. To do that, we've got to be right in the center of his will. And so, the phrase faith, the phrase by faith, is mentioned 21 times in Hebrews 11. By faith or through faith, 21 times, indicating to us that it is faith in Christ that enables us to endure. In other words, I find myself more and more reminding myself, I've got to just trust the Lord. I just need to trust the Lord. No matter what comes my way, no matter what comes into the lives of my children, into the lives of my grandchildren, into the lives of my great-grandchildren, and one day I may stand here and say, in the lives of my great-great-grandchildren. I have one that's 17 years old right now. And so we are trusting the Lord. All we can do for our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren is to teach them to trust the Lord and to walk with him, recognize his presence, recognize his power in their lives, and trust him every day, every day. Trusting Jesus, right? I can't sing that. <laughs> okay, now I, I threatened my church that I might join the choir and become a soprano. They didn't want that. <laughs> uh, okay, now, thirdly, the writer says, look at Jesus Christ. Hebrews 12, 2 through 4 says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest he be wearied and faint in his mind. Yes, he is the author, he's the originator, he's the finisher of our faith. It was in looking to Jesus that I was saved. If you're saved, it was, to, it was because you looked to Jesus, right? We look to him for salvation. To look means to trust. When the dying Jews looked to the uplifted serpent in the wilderness, they were healed. And this is an illustration of our salvation through faith in Christ. Because in John 3, 14 through 15, Jesus says this, 
And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Looking unto Jesus describes an attitude, not a glance, not just a single act. It's an attitude of trusting. And when our Lord was here on earth, he lived by faith. The mystery of his divine and human natures is too profound for us to understand. But we do know that he had to trust his Father in heaven as he lived day by day. The writer of Hebrews quoted our Lord saying in Hebrews 2.13, I will put my trust in him. The quotation is from Isaiah 8.17. How many times did our Savior quote the Old Testament verses that, re, that uh, actually pertain to him? The, he endured the cross. This involved shame, suffering, contradiction, or opposition of sinners, and even temporary rejection of the Father. On the cross, he suffered for all sins of all the world. Yet, he endured and finished his work that the Father had sent him, given him to do. We know this by John 17, 4. If you're interested in knowing about it, you can read there. Though the readers of Hebrews had suffered much persecution, they had not resisted unto blood. It tells us that in ver here in verse 4. None of them was yet a martyr. But in Jesus' battle against sin, he shed his own blood. What was it that enabled our Lord to endure the cross? Please keep in mind that during his ministry on earth, the Lord did not use his divine powers for his own personal needs. Satan tempted him to do that, but he refused. It was our Lord's faith. It was our Lord's faith that enabled him to endure. He kept the eye of faith on the joy that was set before him. We know this from Psalm 16. He knew that he would come out of the tomb alive. Peter made reference to this Messianic Psalm in his sermon at Pentecost. In Psalm 16, verse 11, David spoke about fullness of joy in the presence of the Father. Jesus knew that he would be exalted to heaven in glory. Peter quoted that passage also that related to that in his message. So all of this was planned. It was planned for our redemption and for our justification. Wasn't that a great message Sunday night? So the joy that was set before him would include Jesus completing the Father's will, notice, which involved his resurrection and exaltation and his joy in presenting believers to the Father in glory. 
Jude 1.24 says, Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Wow. Oh, what a wonderful, wonderful day. Day I will never forget. Amen? Throughout the Hebrew epistle, the writer emphasized the importance of the future hope. The readers were prone to look back and wanted to go back, but he encouraged them to follow Christ's example and look forward by faith. We must not look back. We must look forward. The greatest days of this church is ahead. The greatest day of this ministry is ahead. God has some great things for the church. Amen? Amen. Since Christ is the author and finisher of our faith, trusting him releases his power in our lives and allows us to know his will. If we take our eyes off the Savior, we will be like Peter, stepping out of that boat with great faith and then looking down. Amen? And he began to sink. We will sink if we do not live our lives looking to the Savior and trusting him, looking in faith. You know, I could have tried to follow the example of some great athlete for years and still been a failure. But you know, if that, if when in my younger days, if some great athlete had taken me under tow, invested time in me, and worked with me, and mentored me, I might have been able to become a good athlete. Well, my friend, Christ is both the exemplar and enabler of becoming a winner. If we're going to become a winner, we must fasten our eyes on him. Now, we need to look to Jesus. Amen? As we see him in the word and yield to his spirit, he increases our faith and enables us to run the race of this life in victory because we run with our eyes fastened on him. Now, what is this thing of looking to Jesus? Looking to Jesus is not just taking a glance. Looking to Jesus is looking away from the world, looking away from everything else, and focusing entirely on Jesus Christ. So, why don't you look away from the world today? Look to Jesus. Let revival begin in your heart today by doing this. Now, you may be here today and you may have never fully trusted Christ to become your eternal Savior. This is the day that Jesus is calling you to come and give your heart and soul to him. Let's stand together in prayer. <clears throat> With heads bowed, I would simply say to you that it's a simple thing to be saved. And as we begin to pray, you feel free just to step out and come and 
someone will meet you here at the front and show you how simple it is to be saved and to know that your home is in heaven. Our Father, dear God, we thank you for this time we can join together, we can be together. We ask you, Lord, to help us to recognize who we are and look at ourselves in the light of those great winners of the past that have witnessed to us. And we pray, Father, that you will give us insight to walk with you, talk with you, and be alerted any time that we turn aside, that we might get back on the track and keep running as we keep our eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ. Dear God, we pray for this upcoming revival. We pray that you will prepare the hearts of these people. Prepare all of our hearts. Oh God, we all need revival. We pray, Father, that you will bring this man here, anointed by the power of the Holy Spirit in such a way that the Holy Spirit of God will grab the hearts of people and just draw them in. And Father, we pray for Pastor Peterson and his wife. Lord, we pray that you will help him to be all that he can be where he is, but preparing for the work here. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.